It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as I've been saying all month long, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, celebrating Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate Happy holidays to you, because it is show number 231 for the week of December 12, 2019, as we are continuing on with our ninth annual Very Merry Month-Long Christmas Celebration here at Diz Radio. And what better way to celebrate Christmas than the belief in Santa Claus, the belief in miracles, the belief in magic, the belief in angels. And we have somebody who's familiar with all of that, as we have J.O. Sanders stopping in here this week. You know Jay from a variety of different Disney classics, from the Big Green, Angels in the Outfield, as well as Mr. Destiny, JFK, The Day After Tomorrow. He's an author, a stage actor, and so many other things. And Jay is going to stop in and talk about what it was like being part of these great Disney classics with the Big Green, Angels in the Outfield, memories that go from filming these classics all the way through how it has affected his home life, what is he doing now, being a stage actor, and of course, his current book, and many other things. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and we are chock full with D-Team here this week. Yes, you have the questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all your questions, and I want to know. We have Dominic back with the latest from the streaming perfection that is Disney+. Plus. We have Frank with the Disney quote of the week, and we have Charles going deep into the magic with a magical music review. We have Caitlin back with the wonderful women of Disney, talking about all those memorable women throughout the Disney company. We have Jeremy giving you that hint, that look back, that look forward into this week in Disney history. And we have an all-new D-Team member stopping in here this week. Yes, and he is from over the pond, from the UK. We have Daryl joining us here as an official D-Team here at Diz Radio. So it is the debut of Daryl here at Diz Radio as well. So like I said, we are chock full. Lots of fun, and it is a full-out Christmas celebration. We have news hot off the D-Wire from Hollywood Studios, The Magic Kingdom, Rise of the Resistance, Rise of Skywalker, all kinds of fun. So before we jump into the show this week, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel, and Castles and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation. When you're short on time, you want character interactions, you want dining reservations, they're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process, and treat you like family. They are award-winning, they have bilingual experts, and they're absolutely free. So definitely check them out. Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is time to have some fun, have some Christmas magic, believe in angels, believe in Santa, and all kinds of things as we continue on with our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. So let's officially kick off show number 231 for the week of December 12, 2019, because come on, it is the greatest time of year.
Backstage party, Walt Disney shared with you a few selected scenes from his first big musical motion picture, Babes in Toyland. Every sparkling moment, an exciting new entertainment treat. Starring Ray Bolger, Tommy Sands, and Annette, and Ed Wynn. Don't miss Babes in Toyland, coming at Christmas time to a theater near you. Association with the NBC Television Network. <laughs> hey, here comes Santa Claus. 
Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Vixen and Blitzen and all his reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. <laughs> Gosh, this is fun. Yeah. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, LVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the Merry Christmas fun celebration as we continue on with our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration here at Diz Radio for show number 231 for the week of December 12, 2019, as we're getting ready to believe in Santa, believe in miracles, and believe in angels. Maybe those angels in the outfield, as we have J.O. Sanders stopping in here this week from Angels in the Outfield, the Big Green, Mr. Destiny, and so many other things. We have the D-Team here, as I mentioned, with Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Charles, Caitlin, Jeremy, and of course, our newest D-Team member from across the pond in the UK, Daryl, stopping in here, brand new to the D-Team this week, who has taken over our Disney Parks in 5, as Alexa has moved on to become a full-time mommy and author. We wish her the best of luck in her newest ventures, but we are excited to have Daryl stopping in here and joining us here at the D-Team. So we got all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire, so before I jump into that news, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show, first and foremost. Yes, you gotta stay connected here at the show, right? And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. 
facebook.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash dizradioshow. That's D-I-Z radio, S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, and a variety of other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand all three of which will help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical, very different kind of Disney show. And if you want to stay connected instantly, there is an easier way. You can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Well, go to iTunes or any podcast provider that you have. Stitcher has been really glitchy lately and not pulling our most recent shows. But go to iTunes at least. There you can search Diz Radio, Disney Blue, or Disney On Demand. Hit subscribing at the latest shows as they get released instantly for your ears to enjoy you can listen to it on your iphone your android the device of your choosing your tablet and get it instantly as soon as the show posts and if you can't remember any of this because i talk super fast like it's one hyperactive ugly sweater christmas party just go to disradio.com and you can find all these links there as well so with that said it is time to jump into that news hot off the deep wire and how about disney's first ever mickey mouse attraction is coming to Hollywood Studios. Now, I'm going to say that this isn't really the first ever Mickey Mouse ride. I mean, I guess the other ones are more shows. You had the Mickey Mouse Review at the Magic Kingdom back in the 80s that ended up getting packed up and moved to Tokyo. And then you had Mickey's Magic. But I guess technically those aren't rides. Now you have the first ever ride, which is taking the place, and I'm always sad about this, of the great movie ride. I thought it would be better just to really pump up the great movie ride. But instead, Disney's first ever Mickey Mouse themed attraction will be opening its doors next year at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction will take guests on a ride through scenes from a cartoon entitled Perfect Picnic, which is based on the recent Emmy Award winning Mickey Mouse cartoon shorts, which are featured on the Disney Channel. Now, as I said, these are all new character designs, comedy, cadence, and music with all new scenic illusion techniques that are being used by the Disney company. As they have put it in their press release, recently perfected, this technology finally gave us cutting-edge theatrical tools we've been waiting for to create new and original attraction stories that immerse you into their flat-styled cartoon world. For the first time ever, guests can literally step into and ride through the colorful, musical, dimensional, and believable worlds of Mickey Mouse's cartoons. Much like, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you can actually go into a 2D animated film. Now, the new attraction is going to open on March 4th at Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. And surprisingly, it's Disney's first ever themed ride of Mickey Mouse. Yes, like I said, the other ones are more shows, but it is the first ever ride and, you know, of Mickey Mouse. And, you know, he deserves his own. He just celebrated his 91st birthday last month. Come on, he deserves something. Now, this new ride will also be mirrored in Disneyland, and it's going to be at Disney's California Adventure Resort when Mickey's Toontown reopens in 2022 at the El Capitan Theater. Now, this is going to be fun. It's going to be great. I am excited for a Mickey Mouse attraction. I am sad to see the great movie ride go, but come on, it's Mickey Mouse. You gotta love it. Now, moving aside from attractions, let's get into the small screen. And how about your heart pumping? 
The Love, Romeo and Juliet. No, I'm not talking about Shakespeare. I'm talking about Disney Zombies. And how about Zombies Part 2 is debuting on Disney Channel on February 14th. Now, Disney Channel is returning to Zombie Town and Seabrook in Zombies 2, the sequel to the number one cable TV telecast of 2018. Yes, it was the number one cable TV telecast that year for kids demographic ages 6 through 11 and tweens 9 to 14. Now, this monstrous, as I put it, comedy is having the original cast return once again with some newcomers and all new songs and choreography as well. Now, why is it getting released on February 14th? Well, come on. Zombies is basically a fun way of telling the story of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, in the end, that's exactly what it is. Star-crossed lovers, different backgrounds, shouldn't be together, defeat all odds. And why not? It has catchy music as well. Now, it is starring many different people from, you know, Milo Mannheim from ABC's Dancing with the Stars, Meg Donnelly, who we all know from American Housewife, as well as the recording artist that she is with her newest album that just recently dropped, and many other people reprising their roles, like Trevor as Bucky, Kylie Russell as Ezra, Carla Jeffrey as Brie, James Godfrey, a past guest here at the show as Bonzo, and many others. Now, set in the newly united town of Seabrook, Zombies 2 resumes the story as the cheerleader Addison and zombie football player Zed are reading for Seabrook High's prawn, the school's supersized prom. But when a group of mysterious teenage werewolves led by Willa, Violet, and Winter unexpectedly arrive in the search of an ancient life source buried somewhere in Seabrook, the fearful city council reenacts Seabrook's anti-monster laws, making it impossible for Zed and Addison to attend the prawn, or prom, together. So this is going to be another fun one once again. And Zombies 2 music is going to have a variety of different things from pop, upbeats, um, all kinds of flow, dance routines, choreography. And the original Zombies soundtrack was number one on the charts for, I think it was almost six or seven weeks. It has great catchy beats. I mean, come on. Zombieland is is a really good song. I'm, I'm going to admit it. It's catchy. When my kids listen to it, I enjoy it. So Zombies 2 is coming out February 14th on Valentine's Day. The, sto- the story of star-crossed lovers, whether you want to eat people and brains or you just want to be an up and peppy cheerleader, it's definitely going to be a fun one once again. Now, moving along here, how about Man of the Year? Business Person of the Year? Yeah, I'm talking about Baby Yoda. Okay, I'm not really talking about Baby Yoda. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stop it, rewind, watch Mandalorian, get caught up. But how about Disney's Bob Iger is Time's Business Person of the Year. And on that cover, on that artwork, he is holding Baby Yoda in the painting. Now, Time this last Wednesday named Disney CEO Bob Iger its Business Person of the Year on Twitter. And as part of the designation, artist Tim O'Brien created a painting of Iger holding a critter who has dominated the internet in the recent weeks. Yes, Baby Yoda, and we call him Baby Yoda because we just don't know what else to call him. Now, as he had put uh, out in the presses, I mean, it's kind of funny. He said, painting Bob Iger was fun. But of course, like almost the entire universe, being able to paint a Baby Yoda at the time when he's blowing up the internet was thrilling, O'Brien was quoted as saying. He said it was just fun to bring it to life. Since the release of The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, Baby Yoda has stolen the collective hearts of the internet, countless memes, and many other things everywhere. I mean, I don't think Disney expected it to be as big as it is. Now, as soon as those ears popped up from under the blanket, 
Iger said, Baby Yoda, this is one of the things that has to be part of this. Now, Iger's designation as Times Business Person of the Year doesn't come as much of a surprise given he runs a successful media giant in the Walt Disney Company. He also has brought together such deals as acquiring Marvel, Star Wars, and so much more. And last year was the biggest box office year with Avengers Endgame becoming the highest grossing movie of all time. And on top of that, there is 10 million subscribers to Disney+. Plus. It just keeps getting better and bigger and better and bigger. So definitely fun. You got to check this one out. Bob Iger, Business Person of the Year. And why not hold a baby Yoda just to show how much things are blowing up? Now, I'm not going to say too much more with news. We have a lot of things going on. This week has been a little slow in the Disney company overall, other than people still talking about Rise of the Resistance, Baby Yoda, um, Rise of Skywalker coming out next week. But since we are talking about Rise of Skywalker and Star Wars, you can now catch Josh Gad's final star-studded attempt at Star Wars spoilers as he tries to get them from Daisy Ridley. Now, although we're only over a little week away from Rise of Skywalker, Josh Gad once again is all over the internet trying to get Daisy Ridley to spill the spoilers like he has done since The Force Awakens. He pops his head in, he tries to trick her into saying things, and of course you get a star-studded group of people who come in, tell her to stay strong. You you know, it's fun. I mean, I I don't want to spoil too much about who pops in, but I will say J.J. Abrams does pop in and tells her, Stay strong with the Force. Don't give any spoilers. It's a fun one, and come on, it's Josh Gad. It is always fun, witty, and and it's going to make you laugh. So, all VD heads, with that said, I'm wrapping up news here. Yes, a little bit shorter. Yeah, you're gaining 10 minutes of the show back for me to give off to the team. How about that? It's like a little Christmas gift of not having to hear me ramble. So, we have a lot of things coming up. We have J.O. Sanders stopping in from Angels in the Outfield. The Big Green, JFK, Mr. Destiny, the day after tomorrow. Jay's going to be stopping in here. We have the D-Team with Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Charles, Caitlin, Jeremy, and of course the introduction of our newest D-Team member with Daryl from the UK who's stopping in here and taking over our Disney Parks in 5 as Alexa has moved on to be a full-time mommy and an author. So it is a lot of fun things on the rise and we're celebrating Christmas. It's our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration all month long bringing you all kinds of Christmas goodies. So it is a lot of great things. So before I release the reins here to the D-Team, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel. And Castles and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, make reservations, character interactions, keep it easy, hold your hand, and they are free. I wrapped it all up right there. It is fantastic. They're going to treat you like family and make it simple and easy to book your Walt Disney World vacation. So definitely check them out. Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, it is time to continue on with the Christmas celebration, the fun, the excitement, as we continue on with show number 231 for the week of December 12, 2019. I wish I could be Santa Claus for just one day I'd fill a bag with kindness and I'd give it all away I'd make the world a better place I'd do that if I could I love the way it feels inside when I do something good 
I wish I could be Santa Claus. Imagine that. Although I could not fill his boots, I'd look great in his hat. I'd love the milk and cookies. And there's one more thing I'd do. I'd try to teach the kids to be a little more like you. We know that love can bless the heart when the tears begin to fall. We know that love is the message of the season, the greatest gift. And yes, one size fits all. I wish we could be Santa Claus. Perhaps we can. The job's about the giving, not the suit and not the man. It's, it's all about the caring and the part that we can play in spreading joy and peace on earth and, and love on Christmas Day. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down the. Oh, oh, oh. Dad, I heard a clatter. Somebody's on the roof. Maybe it's Santa. Not now, Charlie. This Christmas, Scott Calvin's getting into the spirit the only way he can. Hey, you! Oh, 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 oh. Whoa! By accident. If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. He's Santa! You killed him! I did not. Check out Santa's sleigh! When you put on the suit, you fell subject to the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. Ha! Santa? How come your clothes are so baggy? Do you want this doll or not? Go back to sleep. I shave in the morning, in the afternoon, I look like this. Oh, my God. Calvin, you wait. What happened? Beastie. What, you put on a little weight? Does this look like a little weight to you? You look distressed. I'm way past distressed. I'm talking to an elf. He's not Santa. Oh, my God. He's too Santa. Wait, I'm not done. Fax me. This is our perpetrator. This one's not going to be easy to find. Uh, won't the uh, bright red suit and beard give him away? <laughs> Who's down there? Santa, you're forever this year. Have a piece of fruit, for God's sake. This holiday season, Incoming! Tim Allen is giving Till It Hurts. Johnny, naughty. <laughs> Gary, nice. Veronica, very nice. The Santa Claus. You're a 1,200-year-old elf. You look pretty good for your age. Thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping. Hello from Neverland. 
My name is Jeremy, and I am the head Lost Boy here in Neverland, and, well, they call me the Spider-Pan. I'll talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, but for now, welcome to Great Moments in History, but only the Disney parks. December 12th, 1927. Disney's Oswald the Lucky Rabbit short Empty Socks is released. The silent black and white cartoon featuring Oswald as Santa is the first ever Disney Christmas-themed short. Directed by Walt Disney himself, the animation credits include Of Iwerks, Roland Ham Hamilton, and Hugh Harmon. 1937, Disney's Sunday Color newspaper strip features the first glimpse of the characters from the upcoming film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. The strip, written by Meryl Demaris and drawn by Hank Porter, features a different storyline from the animated film set to debut December 21st. 1941, Disney's animated educational short Seven Wise Dwarfs is released. The short is made for the National Film Board of Canada to promote the purchase of Canadian war bonds. The film shows the dwarves mining for gemstones and later investing them in Canadian war savings certificates, all the while singing a variant of the song, Hi-Ho. 1952, Disney's Goofy short How to Be a Detective, directed by Jack Kinney, is released. Goofy is Johnny Eyeball, Private Eye, a detective on a mission to solve a mystery. In 2000, the Disneyland Pacific Hotel reopens as Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. The 502-room hotel has been brightly painted and decorated to reflect the new beachfront theme and offers hotel guests a private entrance into Paradise Pier and the rest of the new Disney's California Adventure theme park. In 2010, the American Film Institute names Disney Pixar's 3D feature Toy Story 3 one of its best 10 movies of 2010, the only animated feature to crack AFI's list. December 13th. 1925, Emmy Award-winning actor Dick Van Dyke, best known to Disney fans as Bert the Cockney Chimney Sweep in the 1964 musical feature Mary Poppins, is born in West Plains, Missouri. Van Dyke received a Grammy Award in 1964 along with Julie Andrews for his performance on the soundtrack to Mary Poppins. He hosts such TV specials as Florida's Disney Decade in 1981, Donald Duck's 50th Birthday in 1984, and Walt, the Man Behind the Myth in 2001. Van Dyke's Disney credits also include the features Dick Tracy, Lieutenant Robinson Crusoe, USN, and Never a Dull Moment. He also took part in Disneyland's annual Christmas candlelight procession, in particular Disneyland's 1965 version, the last candlelight ceremony that Walt Disney himself attended. A fan of barbershop quartets, Van Dyke has his own singing group, the Fantastics, who performed at the 2011 D23 Expo. In 1929, Emmy Award-winning actor Christopher Plummer, the voice of Charles Muntz in the Disney Pixar animated feature Up, is born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Plummer is perhaps best recognized for his role of Captain Georg von Trapp in the 1965 musical feature The Sound of Music, and for the role of John Adams Gates in the 2004 Walt Disney Pictures release National Treasure. 1969, a special preview of Disney on Parade, a touring holiday show set to debut in Chicago on Christmas Day, takes place in the Long Beach Arena in California. The preview is for 8,500 underprivileged children in the Orange County and Los Angeles areas. Using a mixture of live production, sound effects, and motion pictures, 100 performers bring Disney on Parade to life. 1971, Disney's Bedknobs and Broomsticks, starring Angela Lansbury, David Tomlinson, and Roddy McDowell, opens in major U.S. theaters. 1975, Disney announces it will begin construction of Epcot in 1976 instead of 1977, as originally planned. 
1961, Disney's first live-action musical feature film, Babes in Toyland, starring Ray Bolger, Tommy Sands, Annette Funicella, and Edwin is released. 1966, Lily Disney visits her husband, Walt, in St. Joseph's Hospital across from his studio in Burbank, California. Although Walt is very ill, she is encouraged by the strength he shows. His brother Roy pays him a visit at night, and they talk about company matters, Epcot, and Disney World. Walt looks at the ceiling and points out the design of the new Florida park to a teary-eyed Roy. After he leaves, Walt asks to have his bed raised so he can look toward the nearby Disney Studios. At Roy's orders, every one of the studio's lights is left on to shine through the night. Actress Verna Felton, who was best known for providing many voices in numerous Disney animated films, as well as voicing Fred Flintstone's mother-in-law Pearl Slaghoople in Hanna-Barbera's The Flintstones, passes away at age 76. Her Disney credits include Dumbo as the Elephant Matriarch and Mrs. Jumbo, Dumbo's mother, Cinderella as the Fairy Godmother, Alice in Wonderland as the Queen of Hearts, Lady and the Tramp as Aunt Sarah, Sleeping Beauty as Flora, the Red Fairy, and Queen Leah, Princess Aurora's mother, and The Jungle Book as Winifred the Elephant, her final role. 1984, Disney releases the animated featurette Frankenweenie, directed by Tim Burton, a parody of and a homage to 1931 film Frankenstein. This time, Victor Frankenstein is a young boy who brings his pet dog Sparky back to life. In 2012, Burton will remake this story into a full-length feature. December 15th. 1933, comedic actor Tim Conway is born, Thomas Daniel Conway, in Willoughby, Ohio. He, of course, co-starred the Apple Dumpling Gang and the Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again, playing the comedic role of Amos Tucker. 1934, Disney's Mickey Mouse cartoon Two-Gun Mickey, directed by Ben Sharpstein, is released. Cowgirl Minnie, voiced by Marcelette Garner, thinks she can take care of herself on the prairie, but when she's captured by Pegleg Pete, Mickey must come to her rescue. 1954, Disney's television adventure Davy Crockett, Indian Fighter, the very first episode of the Davy Crockett trilogy starring Fess Parker as Crockett and Buddy Epson as Georgie Russell, airs on the ABC series Disneyland. 1966, it's a Thursday. Walter Elias Disney passes away at St. Joseph's Hospital for the acute circulatory collapse caused by lung cancer just 10 days after his 65th birthday. When the news of Walt's death reaches Disneyland in Anaheim, consideration is given to closing the park for the day, but instead it is kept open as Walt would have wanted. But the flags on Main Street USA are lowered to half-mast. Mr. Disney will be cremated two days later. His 74-year-old brother Roy O. Disney will postpone his planned retirement and start construction in Florida on Walt's latest project, Disney World. On the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, commentator Eric Sevaryd states this about Mr. Disney. He was a happy accident, one of the happiest the century has experienced. And judging by the way it's behaving, in spite of all Disney trying to tell it about laughter, love, children, puppies, and sunrises, the century hardly deserved him. That's it for this week's History Lesson, D-Heads. Remember, you can find me on a podcast called Neverland to Disney and Beyond, where, as I've mentioned, I am Head Lost Boy. They call me the Spider-Pan because every Lost Boy has to have a nickname. Lost girls don't get nicknames because, well, girls are too clever. They don't get lost. But we do give nicknames to our pixies. Head on over to NeverlandPodcast.com and find out all about it and join in the fun we're having here in Neverland. Until next time, keep a pixie in your pocket. Thank you.
behind-the-scenes look at a special motion picture coming to your local theaters this holiday season. From Walt Disney Pictures. One Magic Christmas. Santa Claus, how can one sleigh carry all the toys for all the kids every place? It's a magic sleigh. Very magic. The making of One Magic Christmas is the reliving of a childhood memory of producer Peter O'Brien. I think one of my favorite Christmas memories is when I was about six years old in the country near where we are right now at a farmhouse very much like the one where this film is 
taking place, I saw Santa Claus, absolutely for certain, for sure, come and fill up my stocking full of toys. And uh, I didn't see him completely because I had to, to uh, pretend I was asleep. Um, but I'll never forget it. It was definitely him. No question about it. One Magic Christmas stars Academy Award winner Mary Steenburgen and Harry Dean Stanton. It's a film that should have an uplifting effect on people and on audiences and enrich their lives in some way, I hope. Good night, Jeannie. Merry Christmas. Good night, Gideon. It's a story filled with faith. Gotta go to the North Pole, Gideon. To see Santa Claus. And fantasy. I'm an angel. Christmas angel. You believe in magic? This holiday season, share the magic from Walt Disney Pictures. At theaters everywhere. One magic Christmas. Everybody and welcome back to another installment of Disney Quote of the Week. Now today's Disney's Quote of the Week comes from the 1994 Disney film Angels in the Outfield. Now it's an American family sports fantasy comedy drama film directed by William Deere. It is a remake of the 1951 film of the same name and stars Danny Glover, Tony Danza, and Christopher Lloyd and features several future stars including Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Adrian Brody, Matthew McConaughey, and Neil McDonough. It was followed by two direct-to-video sequels, Angels in the End Zone and Angels in the Infield. It was released less than a month before the 1994 Major League Baseball strike, which forced the league to cancel the playoffs and the World Series. Now, unlike the original film, which focused on the Pittsburgh Pirates as the team in heavenly need, this film focused on the California Angels, who did not exist when the original was released in 1951. Some scenes in it were shot at Wrigley Field, home of the original Los Angeles Angels. The Walt Disney Company, which distributed it, was the minority owner of the Angels at the time. The film did, however, premiere at the Pirates' home stadium at the time, Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh. The premiere would be the only reference to the Pirates due to both teams playing in separate league, Angels in the American League and Pirates in the National League. And the film being released three years before the start of interleague play Finally, both teams would play each other head-to-head -head in the first time in 2002 in Anaheim. This week's quote comes from the character Ranch Wilder. Well, you know, you play the game, you take your chances. Sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, that's all the time I have this week, all you D-heads. I want to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and remember, have a magical week. Touches the valley, all the clouds are taught to fly. Thus, our souls will leave this land most peacefully. Though our minds
had the perfect plan for Christmas. The weather machine is missing. Until it snowballed out of control. The Los Angeles area is experiencing snow. Tonight. The important thing right now is to stop this storm. Disney Channel unwraps the ultimate Christmas present. This is so out of control. A Disney Channel original movie. Send in the elves. Elves. Do you have a problem with that? The ultimate Christmas present. Tonight, 7 p.m. 6 Central. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, Christmas is fast approaching. This weekend, we're taking our annual family trip to Silver Dollar City up in Branson, Missouri to see all the Christmas lights. It truly is breathtaking. I highly recommend it to anyone that lives close enough to go. Well, let's reach into Santa's sack and see what questions we have for this week. My first question is from Edwin Winkler of Ohio, and he writes, Diz Radio, Happy Holidays. I was looking back, and since the Muppets are now Disney, the Muppet Family Christmas. I have an old VHS of it, and it's very different from the DVD. Why is it so different, and can I get the original cut on DVD? Merry Christmas. Well, A Muppet Family Christmas is a TV special that premiered on December 16, 1987 on ABC. In this one-hour Christmas special, when Fozzie and the Muppet Show gang drop in unexpectedly on Fozzie's mother, she's forced to cancel her winter vacation plans and entertain them all. Soon the Sesame Street gang comes by as carolers, and then Kermit and his nephew Robin discover a fraggle rock hole in the basement. A snowstorm blows in, stranding everyone at the house, except for Miss Piggy, who arrives just in time for all the Muppets to celebrate Christmas together. ABC rebroadcasts the special the following year on December 2nd, 1988, 
It was then re-edited and aired on NBC as an episode of The Magical World of Disney on December 24th, 1989. This is one of the very few Muppet productions to feature Muppets associated with all four of the major Muppet franchises. The Muppet Show, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and Muppet Babies, who are seen as actual puppets here instead of cartoon counterparts. This special also features an on-screen guest cameo by Jim Henson. He can be seen in the kitchen doing dishes towards the end of the special. A Muppet Family Christmas has been released on video in both 1994 and 1998 and on DVD in 2001. However, every commercially available version in the United States and Canada has scenes edited out due to music right problems. When this special originally debuted on TV, the full rights to the songs were only secured for television. Because the U.S. song rights are different than from other countries, the video release available in Europe does not contain the music edits the North American videos suffer. All video releases derive from the 1989 edit, which contains less incidental music and puts dissolves between scenes that are originally faded to and from black for commercial breaks. The 2001 DVD is a shorter cut of the 1989 edit. Here's the scenes that were deleted. The original opening title, superimposed over a shot of Emily Bear's house. The snowman and Fozzie joke and sing the song Sleigh Ride when hearing Rolf inside playing the piano. The home movie featuring Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Gonzo and Scooter as Baby singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, with Baby Rolf playing a toy piano. The Muppets sing Home for the Holidays after Miss Piggy's grand belated arrival, then later Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and I heard the bells on Christmas Day during the final medley. A brief shot of Fozzie Bear and Elmo lighting a Christmas tree, Fozzie tells his mother Emily Bear that he is too old to have a stocking hung for him, then changes his mind. Well, I found the complete show, and it's available to watch on YouTube. Our next question is from Riley Sletsky of Arizona, and he writes, Aaron, I want to know if there will ever be a Mickey's Trice Upon a Christmas. I know they did the two, but is a third in the works. I figured if anybody has an insider info, it would be y'all. Happy holidays from us in Arizona with a Cactus Christmas. Well, unfortunately, I haven't seen any rumors about a new Christmas special. I would love to have one, though, and maybe with Disney Plus, that might be possible someday. Any new Mickey holiday specials have been either from the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Mickey's Roadster Racers, or the new style of Mickey animated shorts. Well, our final question this week is from Drake in New York, and he writes... A long-time listener of Diz Radio. Love your show. The holiday season got me thinking about an old Disney movie, but I cannot think of the name of it. It was about two kids who steal a wish or a globe or something from Santa, and a huge snowstorm happens. It's all I can recall from my childhood of the film, but want to see it again to relive the past. Any thoughts on what it is? Merry Christmas. We are remembering the movie, The Ultimate Christmas Present. It's a Disney Channel original movie that premiered on December 1st, 2000. It's about two friends who steal a weather machine owned by Santa. Girls want it to snow in Los Angeles, 
but the machine gets out of control, causing a blizzard. Santa and two of his elves track down the weather machine and get it under control. Well, the good news is, the movie is available to watch on Disney Plus and is also available to watch on Disney Now. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for a great question. Keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and Z so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and Merry Christmas.
Hello everyone, this is Dominic, and for years I did a segment here called Short Leash, and after a little break, I'm back with a new segment covering Disney's long-awaited streaming service, Disney+. Plus. So I think I found my groove on this segment. Something old, something new, something Mandalorian. Let's get into it. The Mandalorian lands his Mandalorian on Tatooine, which is run by a giant slug crime lord and is so dry they have to farm to be moist, which is a way most people want to avoid being. You can get mugged at any time by junk traders who look like Orko from He-Man or by mummies who ride horns snuffle off a guy. So I guess my question is, unless you're abandoning a whiny child of a murdering asthmatic robot overlord, why would you vacation in Tatooine? It's worse than France. And the answer is simple. If you're a bounty hunter who likes to cosplay as a cross between Phasma and Boba Fett, and you're trying to hide a baby not Yoda Yoda, you head for Tatooine, which is shown in all its Tatooine-ness. We have a low-rent Han Solo sitting in Han's seat in the cantina, which is uh, way too soon for me. We have some bounty hunting, we have some Baby Yoda comic relief, and a mysterious ending cameo that will almost certainly not pay off the way we hope. Now, I poke fun at this show all the time, but actually, I like it. This episode, however, is not all that great. I think it's because this one's not a standalone. It was a nostalgic trip, and it sets up episodes for something that happened later. But the uh, Mandalorian also cares not about runtime. Some shows are barely more than 30 minutes. Others are like a TV hour of 41 minutes. So I'm thinking this is what makes a Netflix season work a little bit better with a show that has a season-long story arc. I think this show needs to play out like an extended movie, not in half hour or so chunks. So maybe when I watch it from top to bottom, this episode will fit in kind of nicely, kind of smooth itself in, and at the end of the season I'll see if it plays better. Moving on with originals, Christmas came early because finally there's a new Pixar in real life. And this time a life-size remote-controlled escape septopus from Finding Dory runs amok in an actual aquarium. And that was kind of fun. Leslie Iwerks' Imagineering documentary continues with the bittersweet post-Frank Wells pre-Iger years when Disney's track record for excellence is tarnished through cheap, half-hearted, bottom-line-driven park development. I'm grateful for this period because it's exactly the stuff we make fun of over at Plantoons. Dino Land USA gave us like six episodes. This was a pendulum swing reaction to Disneyland Paris's near bankruptcy and the tourism downturn post 9-11. Seeing the Imagineers trying to make lemons out of lemonade was equal parts inspiring and also heartbreaking. Along the same lines, One Day at Disney takes a detailed look at various cast members explaining what they do. The occupations highlighted are so varied, from Disneyland's train engineers, park entertainers, animation and model artists, technical engineers, Marvel movie costume designers, park veterinarians, ABC anchors, park designers, and even Bob Iger himself. Seeing these cast members with their boundless, unironic happiness and optimism makes this jaded, skeptical Gen Xer very envious. And it is the Christmas season, so I checked out Noel, a new Christmas movie with that actress from Pitch Perfect and that actor that looks like a wussy version of Johnny Knoxville. If you take a Hallmark movie and throw it in a blender with a script from Arthur Christmas, you get this movie. Actually, it's exactly Arthur Christmas, but since it's Disney, a parent has to die. And this time, that parent was Santa Claus. I'm not kidding. They killed Santa Claus. But I'm also not surprised. Before they killed this Santa Claus, I'm pretty sure they killed Santa Claus in the movie The Santa Claus. And then someone else became Santa, which is what happened in this movie. 
Wait a minute, maybe Noel is what you get when the scripts from Arthur Christmas and the Santa Claus meet on Tinder. Should you watch it? Do you like Hallmark Christmas movies? The answer is yes, you'll love it. If the answer is no, you're a person of good taste. Dipping back into the animation vault, watch The Rescuers. And the period of Disney animation between 101 Dalmatians-ish and The Black Cauldron really doesn't do it for me. I'm a classics and a renaissance person. The flat Don Bluthian period of cheap post-strike afterthought animation that the company churned out was not my favorite. But I hadn't seen it in a while and I wanted to give it another chance. Still doesn't do it for me. My wife, however, loves this, so it just might be my problem. All in all, is another good week of streaming on Disney+, and I'll continue to report back each week with some Disney Plus watching, reviews, and more. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or something you would like me to cover from Disney+. Plus. Reach out at Dominic at DizRadio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at DizRadio.com. I also can be found on the internet. I'm on Twitter at WDWPlanTunes. And on YouTube or your favorite podcast apps by searching WDW Plan Tunes or by visiting Plantoons.com. If you want to see a husband and wife make snarky cartoons about Disney, that's where you go. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Dad, um, when are we going to be a family again? A boy searching for a future. I'd say when the angels win the pennant. Williams and Norton collide, and the catch is blown. A coach running from his past. Are you cracking up, or is this a repeat of Cincinnati? No, no, it's nothing like that. And a team that's their only prayer. There's a thing called talent. They don't have it. God, if there is a God, maybe you could help him win a little. I'd really, really like a family. Two angels came out of the sky and they picked up Ed Williams. Great. A psycho kid. Oh, please, don't drink me. No, 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 Just call me Al. No one can see me or hear me but you. Do you believe in angels? Yes! There must have been those chili dogs I ate before the game. Yeah, 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 yeah! Unbelievable! You really do see something, don't you? Yeah! Make some kind of signal. I'll go like that, okay? Here we go again. That's the game! You believe there's real angels? I know it sounds crazy. I'm relieving you of your management responsibility. Somewhere between losing hope... You can't go through life thinking everyone you meet will one day let you down. ...and finding the courage... You can call it angels. I won't play for anyone but George Knox. You can call it faith. That goes for me, too. You can call it whatever you like. They gave the world something to believe in. I got nothing left. I got an angel with you right now. Danny Glover. Tony Danza. Even though you can't see us. And Christopher Lloyd. Always watching. Disney's Angels in the Outfield. Lights, camera, action.
It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, whether that's television, movies, you name it. And now, of course, the Disney streaming service with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to a variety of different work from movies, television, plays, you name it. We have somebody that is from things you may know, like Angels in the Outfield, the Big Green, Glory, The Day After Tomorrow, and so much more. We have none other than Jay Sanders here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Thank you. It is our pleasure having you on. Your body of work continues to grow. I mean, as we go through your credits, it just goes on and on. And, you know, every time we're turning around, we're there's Jay again. There's Jay again. I guess to, to get us started, how did you land this, you know, this longstanding career of, uh, you know, falling into acting? Well, I started very young. Uh, I started acting when I was 10 years old in Cleveland, Ohio, at a theater that my father was the executive director of called Karamu House. Um, and I that was a non-paying situation, but it was a professional atmosphere of shows every night. And I played in children's theater and adult theater there. And I pursued it and studied it and stayed with it, and uh, went to college to study at SUNY at Purchase. I was in the very first class uh, in their highly re- now highly regarded professional arts program, and came to New York and pursued all of these things, and have done uh, for 43 years, have done nothing since I came out of there but act. Um, and it's it's included... One thing after another, it all started with theater, but it's obviously included a lot of film, television, voiceover. I do a lot of documentary narration for Nova, Nature, um, Wide Angle, all sorts of uh, PBS shows. And uh, just a part of it is part of it is luck. Part of it is the ability to to do what I do once I'm there, and it's driven by the fact that I I love being part of this storytelling business. Well, you know, and it's one of those things, like you said, where it's just one thing after another. And, you know, I credit that to you. You have this personal, you know, appearance and acting skill where, you know, it's just one of those where it, it always seems you're, you're portraying characters that somebody can relate to. And I think that that really is what helps things thrive because you have that personal character. And of course, you know, that's going to roll into some of the Disney things you've done. Angels in the Outfield, The Big Green, I guess. What is it like being part of something like Angels in the Outfield where, you know, it's this film that, you know, it was a remake at the time that many people don't realize. But then now that has been passed on to generations and people just have now passed this down to their kids and I show my kids. And what's it like being part of some of these projects like that where they're gonna good family entertainment that's gonna go down in history well everybody first off everybody thinks i'm dead <laughs> they all think that this that's part of a classic he must be gone long time ago uh i'm i'm approached by a lot of a lot of younger uh people uh, actors in particular but by younger i mean in their 30s who grew up with uh this my um, uh, our son was actually born. He was in, my wife was pregnant with our son while I was making this. I have pictures at the Oakland Coliseum where we were filming it. Uh, photographs of my wife standing out on the pitcher's mound uh, with her extended belly, and the first show, first film he ever attended 
uh, was the press screening, the first press screening for Angels in the Outfield. So uh, we, he has since gone on to study. He's now 25, about to turn 26, and is a professional actor himself. Uh, so we're, and my wife is also a professional actor. So we're, uh, it, it's, it, it is a film that's very, very close to our hearts. My son referred to it for years as a child as Daddy Ball. Uh, it, <laughs> it didn't seem to occur to him that I was the, the nasty character in this film. He simply knew it was dad and would, whenever I would go off to shoot another film, as I'd get in the car to go away, he'd turn to, to Marianne and say, Daddy Ball, want to see Daddy Ball? We'd go up and see Dad, watch Dad on the uh, the video. So that's a it's a particularly uh, special uh, film for us. And and the woman who wrote it, who wrote the the remake, Holly Goldberg Sloan, uh, became a very close friend. They still are, and wrote that role in The Big Green uh, as a result of that, and wrote it for me. Originally, she called me and said, Jay, I've got a role for you. And it was another nasty guy whose the character's name originally was to be Jay Slanders. And I said, oh, that might be a little too close. So she changed it to Jay <laughs> Huffer. But uh, those, both of those, we then did that a year later, and our son was just turning one and just taking his first steps. Um, so it's really all inter, intertwined with our family lore and and there those are two shows that uh that remain very close to my heart well you know and it's one of those things too where you know a lot of times when you work on films and you and you look back at them and you watch them it's already like a photo album in this moment in time but for you it's just that much closer to your heart exactly well it's always a reminder people are people often say things without thinking like oh my god you were you were so much younger then and i always remind you know there is there is not a film. There is no one in any film who is not younger when they made the film. Um, <laughs> even if you, they, it's just come out. Um, but it, it, it is odd to have all those snapshots out there of you when you were thinner and more hair and cuter and all that stuff. Um, but I, it's all part of the joy and part of the game. And what I love is the familiarity. When I'm when I'm traveling around, often in airports, people will come up uh, on all sides, and the game is always to figure out, oh, who would that person? What would that person have seen? And uh, <laughs> Angels in the Outfield is one of the regulars, and I've been recognized for it all across the world. Uh, as is Mr. Destiny, uh, the Big Green, uh, JFK. Uh, the uh, day after tomorrow, as you said, which I actually got because my friend Holly Goldberg Sloan was close friends with the director and producer of that uh, and recommended me for it. So there are there are connections that you don't see behind the scenes, too, just of people saying, oh, I think you'd really love working with, uh, or, you know, uh, and that's a... Uh, a, a wonderful thing too, because ultimately it all comes down to going from family to family. Um, people you know, people you spend long hours with, the long hours that the the film watcher doesn't see, which are all the hours it takes 
being in a place that you're filming, hanging out between shots, and um, huddling together for warmth when it's cold, and and uh, finding a finding a common world that you're creating. So uh, I actually later worked with Matthew McConaughey on True Detective, uh, which got so much attention on television. And it was the first time we'd seen each other since Angels in the Outfield. And he came into the makeup trailer and went, hey, oh, my God, how long has it been? But there was still this connection from uh, being in Oakland, California. Uh, it was We were shooting it as the World Series, which didn't include Oakland. The World Series at the time was being done, and they showed some of it on the Diamond Vision up at Oakland Coliseum. And uh, great, great warm feelings there. A lot of people in that film, too. Adrian Brody, uh, Danny Glover, Tony Danza, Chris Lloyd, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Brenda Blessing. Oh, endless, endless uh, number of people from all different worlds who I, I cross paths with in many different places. Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those where it is like a family. Now, of course, you know, being a father and being in something like the big green and things like that. So, you know, years later, as your son's growing up, you know, is it one of those things where I know I'm a father, I have four kids and, you know, I, I look at the coach, I look at the coach you portrayed and I'm like, yeah, I can, I can relate seeing that coach in a variety of my kids' sporting events. Did you did you ever go through that where, uh, you know, as you got older, you're like... Yeah, yeah we, we did go through it. I mean, Jamie loved soccer uh, in particular. Very good. Um, and he was... Uh, I, I never met anybody quite as devious as, as my coach, uh, the, the play uh, Huffer that I played, the coach of the Knights. I, I always said to Holly, the one the one shot we never got, which I needed to have, was I should have reached out and tripped one of the girls running by, just to make just to make everybody really hate me. Um, but uh, Jamie, for the longest time when he was a kid, thought that uh, scoring a goal meant falling down, because the the kid in the the little kid who who kicks the final goal and wins falls down as he does it. So he thought it wasn't really a goal if he didn't fall down and then jump up and say, I won the game, I won the game. So for years, he would fall down as he kicked the ball and then go, I won the game, I won, whether it went in or not. But that's, it, it's certainly, uh, um, it, it's been a great thing to, to rally around and remember and uh, have as a family connection. Now, you know, with all the credits that you've done, everything from, you know, superhero movies like Green Lantern all the way through, like you said, Mr. Destiny, JFK, you know, is there one genre that you really love working in more than the other, family or drama, or do you just love it all and encompass, you know, wanting to just... I, I, really, I really love the variety. I really do. I, my wife and I are both devoted theater actors, and that's where I spend a large amount of my largest amount of time, but given how busy I am, I'm always going back and forth between that and television or film. Um, and I, I've been I've been in a, like a dozen different TV shows recently in the past decade, say, because of the the numbers of opportunities in recurring roles where I'm able to arrange to. Uh, film something, film uh, 
smaller bits, temporary bits, but often often important, um, but but only used a bit. Often there are a number of them are I'm the heavy because there's somebody everybody talks about and dreads meeting, and then when he shows up, that's the big. It's one of the big scenes. But it means that I don't have to spend as much time filming, and I can be. Uh, I'm able to work it out to go on my day off or during the day before I perform at night on stage. Um, so I, on the other hand, I also love to mix up playing many different types of characters and not get stuck in playing heavies, um, which can easily happen in this business. Once people see you play one thing, they want you to do it over and over. Um, but, uh, for example, Day After Tomorrow is completely different. It's really heroic. Uh, everyman type role. Um, but I, I love to defy people's expectations. So that when I come on the screen, I, I've actually been used a number of times in films over the years as a red herring in, uh, in thrillers because people can believe me, uh, either as the, the most, the worst killer in the world or the most moral uh, reliable friend you ever had. So to have that range and have people able to believe that and go, well, I, he says he wasn't there and I, I, nobody's accused him yet, but it could have been him, you know. Uh, and that filmmakers seem to, to make use of that. And for me, it just means that I get a full range of humanity, that you accept that everything is possible in, in the characters that I play. Yeah, I, I, but I, I do take, this love of, of theater to a great height and have often said, I, you know, I'm not available for your project unless you can work around my theater schedule. And for decades now, people have been doing it. So I, I assume that one of the great joys is that people know me enough and want me enough on their projects that they are willing to work around my need to be somewhere performing eight times a week on stage. And which I've done, uh, the past decade I've been doing in a series of plays with my wife, Marianne Plunkett, who people will know too because she's just playing, coming out as Mrs. Rogers opposite uh, Tom Hanks in the, in the new piece about uh, Mr. Rogers, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, and uh, she and I have been doing a series of, of family plays called The Rhinebeck Panorama, by Richard Nelson, uh, and we have done three different families. One is the Apple family plays. There were four of those. There were three Gabriel family plays, and now we're doing one called the Michaels, which in involves postmodern dance as well. And we have done two tours, one European tour and one world tour with those plays and are planning to do uh, yet another this next uh, this next year, and right now I'm just in the last week and a half of, of the first Michael's play, preparing to do the second one in the summer. Uh, so that's the that's the kind of busy schedule that I have uh, while running back and forth between that and and uh, the the piece called Manhunt uh, that I just shot this summer, a Manhunt Lone Wolf about the Atlanta Olympics bomber. Uh, in which I play the lawyer for Richard Jewell, the, the security guard accused of uh, 
were, who they suspect of having set the bomb that was there, yeah, even though he was the one who announced it. There's simultaneously a film by Clint Eastwood about the same subject coming out right now, and uh, and ours will be a, an extended uh, cable streaming project. But all of these things, I look back and I just think, how lucky is this that I get to do all, all these different pieces, uh, and they coexist, and one feeds the other. Well, you know, definitely. I mean, it's just, they, they just keep going back and forth, cross, like you said, you get to do all these different things. And of course, theater, you get that instant gratification of seeing the audience's reaction instantly, and being able to feed off that energy in a room. And, and you know, aside from all this, you're also a writer as well, correct? Yeah, I well, I've actually, um, I've written a play that that uh, was about the Rwandan genocide, of all things, uh, that opened a new theater. It was the inaugural production for the Mosaic Theater in Washington, D.C., which is now um, up and running and constantly playing shows. We did that in 2015, and now I've just uh, come out with a book of my tour diaries from the Apple, about the Apples and Gabriels tours Europe and and around the world where we went to Australia and Hong Kong and uh, Germany and and all around. Um, And that's called A World in Common, An Actor's Diary. And that's uh, available on Amazon and various places. If people are looking for Christmas gifts, uh, uh, would be, I, I think it's a book you might find interesting. Uh, but I'm, I try to, I try to stay busy and I try to keep reflecting on what I'm learning, uh, as I go along. Well, you know, and it's one of those things where you continue to grow. Like you said, you continue to learn and move forward. And of course, we don't want to keep you too long. So, you know, we understand all that. So I guess for all of your fans out there, people whose lives you've touched, who they've had those same kind of memories of sitting down with their family and watching films that you've partaken in or being in the theater productions with you, um, are there any messages or words that you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans or people whose lives you've touched who you, you don't even realize you've affected so many of them? Yeah, I, it's it's very hard to fathom because it's uh, unlike theater. You know, there are all these people seeing things, and some people seeing it twenty years after you did it, or thirty. You know, it's it's hard to imagine. But I I would just share with everyone that you you need to keep uh, you need to keep growing. You need to keep listening to yourself, to your heart, and to each other, to your family. Uh, because there's always more to learn and there's always more growth. And I find the the older I get, the better listener I become. And the more I reflect on on uh, ways in which I can be better to myself and better to other people. And I think that the the kindness that comes from that is ultimately the bottom line, what makes this life, uh, a, a better, a better experience for everyone. That ultimately, beyond everything, being kind to ourselves and kind to each other is uh, is what will lead you forward. And it's true as an artist, but it's also true as a human being. Certainly in this time, which is so divisive, it's very, very important to remember that there is so much more that that. Um, it brings us together that we have in common 
than that we have that separates us. And there's so much time spent, so much energy spent fighting, uh, fighting for a space that doesn't really mean anything because it's about winning, not about, uh, not about becoming a, a, a deeper, more satisfied person. If we listen to each other, you can do it in your acting. You can become a better artist. But most importantly, you can become a better person. Very cool. Great words of wisdom there. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. And it was our pleasure having you stop in here. You know, chat with us, take this trip down memory lane into what you're doing now, into the future. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. And thank you once again for all the memories you've passed on for everybody tuning in. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate having an opportunity to speak.
their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down the... Oh, hello, hello. Jiminy Cricket speaking. Jiminy, you always wanted to produce a show. It's the boss. Yes. Well, how would you like to help us put together a brand new animated film? Me? Yes, you. Make it a Christmas story and see if Mickey and the rest of the gang will come back and lend us a hand. Okay. Oh, and by the way, Jiminy, have a good show, but watch the budget. Oh, dear. Enjoy yourself. Let's see now. Get Mickey and his gang, have a good show, but watch the budget. Watch the budget? Oh, heavens to Betsy. Walt Disney Studios, home to characters and stories spun from pure cinematic magic. But up until 1983, the Disney character who started the whole enchanted operation hadn't made a movie in 30 years. Get Mickey Mouse on the phone. Rounding up an all-star animated cast for Mickey's Christmas Carol was only the beginning. A production team of artists and technicians would have to be gathered to create a film that would stand proudly next to the Disney animated classics of the Merry past. Christmas, D-Heads. It's Chaz here with another magical music review. Today, since it's the Christmas season, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite Disney Christmas songs, and that is... Oh, What a Merry Christmas Day, which is the opening song to Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is a VHS tape that I watched incessantly as a child. I wore that tape out so many times. I think we got a new one every Christmas season because I watched it that much. I love that. It's a short, so I love that short. Um, but Oh, What a Merry Christmas Day is the opening song, and it's also kind of technically the closing song and really the only song that is of any real importance to that short there there's a short reprise at the closing of it and it's just basically the last verse of the the song that goes joy to the children far and near what a wondrous time of year isn't it just grand to say merry merry christmas merry merry christmas merry merry christmas merry merry christmas oh what a merry christmas day I think it's wonderful to say Merry Christmas. That's why I started off today with Merry Christmas. And this song just talks about how wonderful it is to say Merry Christmas and celebrate Christmas. Now, I know there are those of you out there that don't celebrate Christmas, and that's absolutely fine. But Merry Christmas is what I choose to say, and you can say whatever you'd like, and I appreciate all holidays. But that being said, I love this song because it is filled with Merry Christmas. It was written by, uh, well, it was composed by Erwin Kostel, and the lyrics were by Frederick Searless, and they teamed up to make this wonderful song that's sung by a chorus, and it just is such a grand carol, if you will. Like, it just is happy. There's so many Christmas songs out there that are just depressing, that, like, have that downtrodden tone, and, like, is very, uh, blah for the season, you know? Like, where it kind of takes the happiness out of the season. And I don't like those Christmas songs. I love Christmas songs like this that are just happy. You know, the first phrase of the song is, Oh, what a Merry Christmas Day. And then it follows up with, Hear the joyous music play. That's happy. 
Christmas is a happy time of year, and this song is one of those that it's one of the very first ones that I like to listen to when the season starts. I made my wife watch this for the first time last Christmas season, and she loved it, and it's one of those traditions that I'm going to keep on watching, or keep on for my children when I have them. And this song is one of those that has just placed itself so deeply in my heart because it has so much wonderful imagery for Christmas. I mean, it talks about Jack Frost on painted window frames and talks about friendly faces and warm embraces and just the blessed Yuletide spirit growing and then, you know, peaceful embers glowing. Who doesn't love a fire around Christmas time? in like a fire pit or a fireplace, just that warmth and that wonderful feeling that you can only have this time of year with warm while it's cold outside and hot chocolate or what have you. But give this song a listen. Go watch Mickey's Christmas Carol. And, you know, if you don't want to watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, give the first two minutes of it a watch at least so you can listen to this wonderful song. But, with that being said, that's all I've got today. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to me at chaz at dizradio.com. That's C-H-A-Z at dizradio.com. And as always, don't just fly, soar. This is Scott Schwartz. I'm a Christmas story and the toy, and you are listening to Disney on Demand.
heads how you all doing uh my name is daryl i am brand new to the uh podcast this week i'm going to be talking a lot about the disney parks news doing a, a segment on parks which i'm going to be doing pretty much for every podcast if you'll keep me um i'd love to wish you all a merry christmas and a very happy new year from myself here in london and from all the guys on the podcast as well i'm sure um before i begin i'd also like to thank jonathan on giving me the chance to speak to you guys it's a real honor and a real privilege to get a ch- to get the chance to talk on this fantastic podcast that's been going for nearly 10 years. Um, so as I said, I'm doing a bit of news on the Disney parks each week, so we might as well get started. Uh, on Thursday the 5th of December, one of the probably the best and biggest rides that has, that has come out, that has been opened up in Disney World for a very long time opened up, and that is Rise of the Resistance, um, which is the second ride to go in at Galaxy's Edge alongside Smuggler's Run. Uh, in Disneyland it opens January 7th so they're, they're a bit delayed but from what we've seen so far the ride looks phenomenal. There was a couple of minor problems first morning with the ride going down but it seemed to go all smoothly. The um, virtual queue seems to work really well. Yes it, it is busy but it looks incredible. The immersion of this ride and this attraction just is perfect for what Galaxy's Edge is and I myself can't wait to get on it. Um, 
there's a couple more in uh, Hollywood Studios as well that's opened up uh, that's going to open up in the next few months so we've got Mickey, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway which is uh, which was planned to open up earlier this year but they delayed it a little bit we now have an opening date which is the 4th of March 2020 again super excited to see this and for the fact that the parks now have been open well it's 49 years next year for um, Magic Kingdom and Disney World and even longer for Disneyland the fact that this is our first Mickey attraction it's been a long time coming and it should be brilliant I love the fact that it's in the new cartoon animation as well and the to get to spend more time with Mickey and the gang in the parks not just as character meet and greets is going to be phenomenal um, also with that which is going to be pretty much next door to the attraction. Uh, Mickey Shorts Theatre is to open up in March 2020 as well at Hollywood Studios, which will be showing a lot of the new Mickey Shorts. I'm not too sure if they're going to show any of the old stuff, but we'll definitely see um, a lot of cartoons on hot days. If you want to get a bit of a rest and a bit of aircon, I think that'll be the place to hit. Uh, I'm going to move over to Epcot now. Uh, Space 220, the brand new immersive restaurant, uh, which they were looking to open again at at the end part of this year has now been moved back to February 2020. This is going to be one of the best restaurants on property. The food's going to be awesome. The Again, the way Disney are doing the immersion now is going to be spot on. And the few concept art pieces I've seen really does look incredible. Um, also in Epcot, we've got the DuckTales World Showcase adventure for, for well, say for Epcot and for World Showcase. Don't know too much about it. I think it's going to be um, like the sorcerer, sorcerers in the Magic Kingdom. Bit of a scavenger hunt. Uh, this will open up um, during some point of next year with all the stuff going around into Epcot, a lot of the new updates and attractions. Again, this is going to be very good for, I think, for more younger fans, but I definitely think this will go well for the older generation as well. Last thing from me, um, which I've seen this week, actually... Sorry, two more bits. I, I do apologise. We've got the um, the start date for the brand new parade that will be in Disneyland, um, which is called Magic Happens. This parade will be launched on February 28th, and we're going to be seeing the likes of Moana, Maui uh, in there as well for the first time in a proper parade. Uh, obviously, Elsa and Anna are going to be in there, and I believe will be their new get up for Frozen 2 as well. So, uh, last one, and I don't know if many of you have watched The Mandalorian. Um, I have been getting it over here. I absolutely adore it. And obviously a lot of people are talking about Baby Yoda or The Child. We finally have some merch in Disney World, and that is in Loading Bay Cargo. We have fun cases, magic band and magnets, and I'm sure there'll be a hell of a lot more within the coming weeks. That is all from me today. Uh, as I said, there'll be a lot more news coming out. Um, over the Christmas period have a happy holidays and as I said Merry Christmas Happy New Year be safe enjoy it and keep loving Disney cheers guys Jingle bells Jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh Jingle bells Jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh what fun it is to ride Sing a swaying song tonight. 
Cool Christmas special. I'm with my special guests, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're making Christmas cards with Terry and Globy. I'm using the stencil process. The stencil I'm using looks like a Christmas tree. I lay it on the card, dip my toothbrush in green paint, and brush it on this piece of screen. Look, isn't this pretty? Yeah. I hope you remember to wash that toothbrush before you brush your teeth, though. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Hi there, it's Caitlin here with the Wonderful Women of Disney, a new segment that shines a light on women from the Walt Disney Company's past and present. Annette Funicello was known to many as America's sweetheart, pineapple princess, and Disney darling turned Disney legend. But around this time of year, she can be seen in the holiday classic, Babes in Toyland. Born in New York in 1942, her family moved to California shortly after. As luck would have it, when she was 12 years old performing the lead role in her ballet school's recital of Swan Lake, Walt Disney was in the audience. This was only the beginning for little Annette. 
Walt was so charmed, he brought her into the studio as the very last Mouseketeer for his brand new show, The Mickey Mouse Club. The Mickey Mouse Club propelled Annette into the hearts of millions and catapulted her teenage stardom, though Disney kept a fairly firm hand on her career for a time. She appeared in several other Disney television productions, including the Spin and Marty serials, Walt Disney Presents Annette, Disneyland After Dark, and Zorro. Creating the mold for many Disney child stars to be, she even became a recording artist. The song, How Will I Know My Love, appeared in an episode of Walt Disney Presents Annette, and Walt Disney himself issued it a single. From that point on, Annette had many pop hits throughout the 50s and 60s, including Tall Paul and Pineapple Princess, written by the Sherman Brothers, and Train of Love and It's Really Love, written by Paul Anka, who famously had a huge crush on her. In 1959, Annette made her feature film debut in Disney's The Shaggy Dog, and a few short later, she played Mary Contrary in Babes in Toyland in 1961. Though not a big commercial success, Annette claimed Babes in Toyland was her favorite film of all she had made. I myself have fond memories of watching it on VHS in my grandparents' bedroom on their little TV in the mid-90s. Following her strong Disney career, Annette became a teen idol starring in a slew of beach party movies alongside Frankie Avalon throughout the 60s. From Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, and Beach Blanket Bingo to How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, Annette did the twist many times over as her character Dee Dee. During the 70s and 80s, while raising her family, Annette made appearances on popular television shows like Love American Style, Fantasy Island, and The Love Boat. And in 1992, she was honored a Disney legend. Releasing her autobiography, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes My Story, in 1994. Annette passed away from complications of multiple sclerosis in 2013, but Bob Iger said it best. Annette was well known for being as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside. She will forever hold a place in our hearts as one of Walt Disney's brightest stars. Elastigirl said it best. Leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. We can handle this. Have a nice day. What a hap-hap-happy snowman, what a friendly, jolly type. How he loves to watch the children as he smokes his corncob pipe. With his coal black eyes a-sparkling and his cheeks like cherries ripe. He's a hap-hap-happy snowman as he smokes his corncob pipe. He doesn't mind the temperature when it falls to ten below. For he's got his pipe to keep him warm, and besides he's made of snow. He's an uncomplaining fellow, never known to groan or gripe. He's a hap-hap-happy snowman as he smokes his corncob pipe. What a hap-hap-happy snowman, what a friendly, jolly type. How he loves to watch the children as he smokes his corncob pipe. 
with his cold black eyes just sparkling and his cheeks like cherries right he's a hap hap happy snowman as he smokes his corn cob pipe he doesn't mind the temperature when it falls to ten below for he's got his pipe to keep him warm and besides he's made of snow He's an uncomplaining fellow, never known to groan or gripe. He's a hap, hap, happy snowman as he smokes his corn cob pipe. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Final too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, LVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic celebration full of trimming the tree, having some fun, buying presents, wrapping gifts, and of course, believing in all those miracles, angels, Santa, and more. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to J.O. Sanders for stopping in here this week, chatting with all of us, reminiscing about angels in the outfield, the big green, so many other things. Definitely check out his book, And of course, so much more because Jay just continues to act and is everywhere. I also want to thank the D-Team. Without the D-Team, there'd be nothing more than me rambling week in and week out. So I want to extend that thank you to Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Charles, Caitlin, Jeremy, and the newest edition with Daryl for stopping in here this week with their signature segments. You truly do make the show. And remember to connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com. And finally, the most important, as we're rounding out 2019... And gearing up for our 10-year anniversary, I do want to thank you, the D-Heads. You truly are the backbone of the show. You are the ones that make the show. You are the ones that are allowing us to celebrate our 10-year anniversary in 2020. So thank you, the D-Heads, for making the magic every single week here at the show and allowing us to bring these to you. Now, next week, we continue on with our very Merry Christmas celebration. We have a great guest stopping in, somebody I am excited to bring to all of you D-heads out there. But before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Show. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, a variety of other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of Disney show. And if you want to stay connected instantly, it's super easy. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, you name it. Preferably iTunes, Stitcher's having some glitches lately, but go to iTunes, search Diz Radio, Disney On Demand, or Disney Blue, 
all of which are going to help you find our show. You can hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released instantly on your mobile device, your Android, your tablet, the device of your choosing to listen to, enjoy, and hear us ramble in your ear every single week. And if you can't remember any of this because I talk super fast, super loud, it is like a party here every single week, all you got to do is go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Dot com and find all these links there as well. All right, next week we are continuing on with our very Merry Christmas celebration. We're getting that much closer to the day when the big man himself comes down the chimney, brings the presents, and has all kinds of goodies for you. So to help us do that is somebody that is no stranger to animation, movies, magic, Timon and Pumbaa, Beauty and the Beast, maybe it's the Enchanted Christmas and all, and many other things. I am going to leave it at that. So until next week, all of you D-heads, during this holiday season, during this time, I want you to go out there, do something kind for somebody else, something little, a little gesture. Buy a coffee for the person standing behind you in line. It doesn't make a difference what it is. Just go ahead, make that gesture, make it nice, and just, you know, spread the kindness, spread the love. And when you're done with that, take that time, slow down, And never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. So make the memories count. Make the magic happen. You can't give any greater gift this holiday season than the gift of a memory that's going to last a lifetime. I know I sound like a Hallmark card, but it's something I truly, truly do believe in. Until next week, all of you D-heads, have a merry, merry Christmas. And with that said, I'm going to leave you with a little track that reinforces... All those things that I just said. Merry Christmas, Diaz. If I had my wish this Christmas I'd only want one single thing To find the ones who need it What I take for granted And give good days away Like I was Santa To that little girl who's hungry I'd give November 26th Leftover turkey with the family Oh, my jeans would hardly fit I'd like to reach around the world This Christmas time And give her one of my extraordinary, ordinary days I'd give any given Sunday To people down and out of faith And pray I wouldn't only feel this way Cause my year's too full of blessings to remember So to the homeless man who's freezing I'd give October 29 First fire of the season My love sitting by my side I'd like to reach around the world this Christmas time And give him one of my extraordinary, ordinary days
all the sad and lonely I'd give that Saturday in May When the neighbors got together For a barbecue and a softball game I'd like to reach around the world This Christmas time And give them one of my Extraordinary, ordinary days Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.